Thanks for listening to the Sub 25 podcast. Sub 25 is a ministry of Gardendale First Baptist Church for 18 to 25 year olds. Tune in as we learn how to live as fully devoted followers of Jesus Christ. Most people associate Steve Jobs with, with, with what company? Apple. So some people are familiar that there was a co-founder named Steve Wozniak. Again, these 20-year-old or 21, 25-year-olds that started uh, Apple, but, but most people don't realize that there was a third co-founder, a third co-founder. This guy, uh, his, his name was Ronald Wayne, Ronald Wayne. Ronald Wayne was a little bit older. He was 40, and he, he agreed to help these two 20-something-year-olds to provide some adult supervision, if you will. And uh, he agreed to oversee the mechanical engineering and and documentation. And he did this for a uh, 10% stake in the company. 10% stake in the company, Ronald Ronald Wayne. And uh, so he he started to work with them, but uh, he noticed that things weren't going the way that he would like. He didn't like the direction. So he quickly got out and he decided to sell his 10% back to Steve Jobs and Steve Wozniak. And so he sold 10% 10% of the company for a whopping $800, $800. If, if Ronald would have kept that 10%, his stake would be worth around $95 billion. So at the time, Ronald thought he was getting something good. This company is not going to make it. They've got a lot of debt. I'm going to walk out of here with something good. But Ronald Wayne settled for something good when he could have had something great. He settled for something good when he could have had something great. And with this in mind, I want us to jump into numbers. Some of you may be familiar with the backstory, but if you aren't, let me catch you up to speed. Here's here's kind of the Twitter version, if you will. So God tells a man named Abraham, uh, he he says, follow him, uh, come to a place that I will show you. And God took him to a place that, that, that we call the land of Canaan. Sometimes we refer to this as the promised land. And so God makes some promise, some promises to Abraham. He makes covenants with him, but he takes them to this land and Abraham has children and they have children and eventually uh, his lineage grows, but there is a famine in the land and, and this group of people end up in Egypt. They move to Egypt and, and while they're in Egypt, they continue to grow as a family. And as they continue to grow, uh, the leaders of Egypt begin to be fearful of this group of people because they think this group is going to get too large and they will take over us. So the Egyptians, they force the, 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 the people of Israel, Abraham's descendants, they force them to be slaves. And so God raises up a man named Moses. Many of us, we've heard of Moses, and and he uses Moses to lead this group of people out of Egypt. But, But what God wanted to do was get these people back to the land of Canaan, back to the promised land. And so God uses Moses to get these people out of the land. But what we see is that after God rescues the people of Israel out of Egypt, what should have taken about 11 days to get to the promised land took 40 years because the people of God were fearful. They were uncomfortable. They doubted God's goodness and they doubted that God wanted to give them the land. They they had an opportunity to look at it and see it, but they doubted God's power. So they didn't walk in. And so God caused them to wander in the wilderness for 40 years. Now, this is where we come to Numbers chapter 32. The people of Israel, they are almost to the promised land. This is the second 
second time, the second time that they're close to it, they can smell it. It's right there. All they have to do is cross the Jordan River. All they have to do is cross the Jordan River and, and, and walk with the Lord and enter into the land. So let's read Numbers chapter 32, verses 1 through 5. It says, Now the children of Reuben, remember that name, the children of Reuben, and the children of Gad, remember that, Reuben and Gad had a very great multitude of livestock. So these, these guys, they were farmers. They had animals. They had goats, sheep, cows. And when they saw the land... Say that with me. When they saw the land, that's very important. That is very important. When they saw the land of Jazer, the land of Gilead, which let me just add right here, is not the promised land. It is not the land of Canaan. When they saw the land of Jazer, the land of Gilead, that indeed the region was a place for livestock. The children of Gad... And the children of Reuben came and spoke to Moses, to Eleazar the priest, and the leaders of the congregation, saying, verse 3, all these names of these places, Adaroth, Dibon, Jazer, Nemra, Heshbon, Eliah, Shebam, Nebo, and Beon. The country which the Lord defeated before the congregation of Israel is a land for livestock. Again, this is not the land of Canaan. They are on the outskirts. And your servants have livestock. Therefore, they said... If we have found favor in your sight, let this land be given to your servants as a possession. Do not take us over the Jordan. Do not take us over the Jordan. Let's let's pray for just a moment. Lord, I ask that you would speak to us through this passage and other passages that we are about to look at. Lord, I ask that you would open our eyes to see our need for you, open our eyes to see what you would have for us, the fullness of it. And I pray that in Christ that we would walk towards that. And we ask this in Jesus' name, amen. For hundreds of years, God, it has been a part of his plan to get his people back to the promised land. It has been a part of his plan to get them back into the, the land of Canaan. And, and, and more specifically, the past 40 years, they've been wandering in the wilderness because they doubted God's power to lead them into the land. They thought that those in the land were stronger and they were afraid and they wanted to go back. Again, it was an 11-day journey that turned into 40 years. And so can you imagine the look on Moses' face at, at as they're telling him, hey, um, we kind of like it out here. We don't want to go across the Jordan into the land of Canaan. Just try to imagine the look on Moses' face as, as, he, as he slowly looks up. And he, and he starts out quiet. We have been wandering in the desert for 40 years because God wanted us to get us in that land but y'all doubted him, your, your, your parents doubted him, and here we are about to go in it again, and you don't want to enter the land? I mean, Moses is frustrated. He, he, he's angry, he is upset, and we actually don't have to guess his response because we see it in verses 6 through 15. He's frustrated. He reminds them about the last time this happened. You see, this group of Reuben and Gad and those who don't want to cross, their parents were the ones who looked 40 years earlier and saw the land, saw that it was good, 
But also they were afraid. They were uncomfortable. They didn't fully trust God. They didn't fully obey God. And because of that, the consequence was wandering around. But they made it back. They finally made it back. But here we have Reuben and Gad saying, you know what? The land out here is pretty good. Uh, We got got all these animals, and this land is pretty good for animals. Hey, Moses, we don't want to cross the Jordan. We don't want to cross the Jordan. Now, now, now let's, let's pause right here. All of this began when Reuben and Gad saw the land. Remember what we said? They saw the land. It began when they saw the land outside of Canaan. That's when it began. Now, shouldn't their response have been, if the outside of Canaan is this good, boy, I can't wait to get in the inside of Canaan. If the outside is this good, I can't wait to get to the inside to see what God has for us. Now, mind you, they have not seen the inside yet. There's a generation that had passed that died off in the wilderness. These were the younger ones that have now risen. They've not seen the land, but what land they had seen is the land of Gad. In the land of, or excuse me, the, the, the land of Gilead. Gad and Reuben, they, they see this land, the land of Jazer. They saw the land outside. And again, I, you, you would think that they, as they're getting closer that they would say, man, I can't wait to get inside. I can't wait to continue to follow Yahweh God as he's leading us into the land. But that isn't their response. They said, we're going to settle here. We're just going to settle right here. Does anybody like Disney World? Anybody like Disney World? Um, I've been sucked into the Disney cult because of my wonderful wife, Angela. And she is very wonderful. She grew up going to Disney all the time because she lived in Orlando. Listen, we've got Disney shirts for our kids. We got Disney Plus. We, we got Disney diapers for them. There is Disney all, all the time going on. And, um, and it's a problem, so please don't throw anything at me. Um, but Angela's parents, they live close to Disney. So every time that we go and, and visit them, uh, we obviously go to Disney World. But, but we don't go in. We, well, sometimes we go in. We just kind of stick to the outskirts, the Disney Springs, the shopping area. Or we'll just park and we'll check the hotels out and we'll ride monorails and, and, and check them out and look at how they're decorated. We did that um, in November, uh, celebrating Thanksgiving with Angela's family, and we had Hudson there and Haddon there, and he's all excited, and we can see the castle in the distance, and we, we are there on the outside, and, 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 it's, and it's, it's good, and if you've ever done that, hey, it, it's actually fun. It's good, but going to Disney Springs and watching a street performer play the clarinet, it, it, it's entertaining. It's not as good when you go into the park and you go to Animal Kingdom, and you see a Lion King show. Riding the carousel with Hudson was a lot of fun. We were spinning around. It's just not the same as Space Mountain. The outside's good. (laughs) Outside's good. But the inside is better. And so the tribes of Reuben and Gad, they saw the land outside of Canaan and said, this looks good. We want it. Hadn't even seen the inside, but we like the outside. And so we are going to stay right here. Now, don't miss this. Just because you want it doesn't mean it's God's will. Just because you want it doesn't mean it's God's will. Now, again, the beautiful thing about Scripture is that, again, 
it, it means something. There's doctrine, there's truths here, but we see how these can apply to so many different areas of our lives. We could talk about jobs tonight, but what we've chosen to talk about specifically is, is areas of relationship or, or singleness. And so let me just say this. Some of you in the room right now, you, you're, you're single, but you don't want to be single. And I understand that. that. That is a natural desire for you to be in a relationship. It's normal. However, if you aren't careful, you will be guided by your wants instead of God's will. You'll be guided by your wants. Everything you do will be based on what you want instead of God's will. You'll be guided by that. You'll be guided by desires, your desires, instead of God's direction. You'll be guided by your senses, by your sight, instead of the Holy Spirit. We see that Reuben and Gad, that they made this decision. They saw this land. And what they saw with their eyes, they thought that it was good. Their physical sight distorted their spiritual sight. That happens to us sometimes. Happens a lot in relationships. We see something that we want, and immediately our spiritual priorities begin to drop. And so for some of us in the room, we're single and we're so desperate to be in a relationship that instead of seeking God's will, no matter what that might be, we're simply following what we want. And this is what Reuben and Gad did. Reuben and Gad did not trust that the same God that rescued the people of Israel out of the land of Egypt with, with 10 powerful signs through Moses, the same God that parted the Red Sea, they walked across on dry ground, the same God that provided manna, this supernatural food, manna for them to eat daily, the same God that caused water to come out of a rock multiple times supernaturally, the same God that guided them in a cloud by day and a pillar of fire by night, the same God that was leading them and guiding them, the very presence of God. Instead of trusting that God, they trusted what they could see. Their senses, their wants, their fleshly desires. See, when you're single and desiring to be in a relationship, it's, it's easy to question God's love. It's easy to question God's plan, God's provision. And it's at this point that we begin to take matters into our own hands. We began to trust in our own plan instead of the Father's plan. See, for us on this side, we look at Reuben and Gad and we say, are you guys ridiculous? Like, look what God has done in your life. And we also know what is available to them. And yet they want to settle on the outside. But some of us, we do the same thing. We do the same thing with relationships. We do the same thing with so many areas of our life. And so look at Moses' response, verse 6. Reuben and Gad, these tribes, they, they come and they are talking to Moses. And Moses says to them, verse 6, Shall your brethren go to war while you sit here? Now why will you discourage the heart of the children of Israel from going over into the land which the Lord has given them? The Lord is already going to give it. It's available. He's frustrated. And, and I'll just say this. The decisions that we make when we give into our flesh, when we give into our wants, when we give into our desires, especially in regards to relationships, it doesn't just affect, affect us. It affects those around us. 
The decision that Reuben and Gad, that they decided to make, it wasn't just one that was affecting them. It was affecting multiple tribes. And so Moses, he's hot, he's angry, he's frustrated. He looks at them and he says, guys, God wants us to go into the land And there are wicked people in the land that are opposing that God. They are evil nations. And God has called us to obey him, to follow him. And he's promised to give us the victory. All we have to do is walk in, obey him, and he's going to defeat these people. And so Moses looks at them and says, you're going to cause us to go in the land without you? This decision is going to cause some of these others to be discouraged because the same thing happened 40 years earlier. And so Reuben and Gad are probably caught off guard a little bit, these tribes. And so they agree, they agree uh, to go into the land and to help. They they agree to go in and and to help the land fight, and then they would come back and go and settle into the land. Settle into the land of Gilead that they desire. And so if you look at Numbers chapter 32, fast forward down to verse 33 says that Moses gave to the children of Gad and to the children of Reuben and to the half-tribe of Manasseh, the son of Joseph, gave them this land, the kingdom of Sihon, the king of the Amorites, the kingdom of Og, the king of Bashan, and the land with its cities and borders, cities, the surrounding country. So essentially, the land that they wanted, they got. Now, the requirements were, guys, you're going to have to go and fight with all the other tribes and help conquer them, and once those wars have died down, then you can come back and you can settle outside of the land. And what we see is that although Moses is frustrated, although he's upset, we see that God permitted this to take place. Based on Moses' response, we see that God allowed this. He permitted Reuben and Gad's decision. However, don't miss this. Just because God permits it doesn't mean that it's God's plan. Just because God permits it doesn't mean it's God's plan. Now, let me just say something real quick right here. We just, we just sang a songs and we sing them uh, all the time about how God takes our mess ups and he can turn them into beautiful things. He, he can take our, uh, our stupid decisions and he can turn them around. Absolutely. But we don't have to make those stupid decisions. We, we, we don't have to do that. You don't have to go down that road. Now, God can redeem it, and he can rescue you, and it can be used for a story of his glory and how God has taken somebody that's gone to the depths of the valley, and he's taken them up. And for some of us in the room, that is, that is our story. And praise God, it's our story because it's one of rescue and redemption. But I'm just saying you don't have to go that direction. See, some of us think that because God is allowing me to go this direction, then it's okay. Just because God permits it doesn't mean that it is God's plan. I don't want to say this. I really don't want to say this, and some of you don't want to hear it, but I have to. It may be that God's will for your life right now, right now, is singleness. That may be God's plan for you right now. I I said I didn't want to say it. I, I don't want to hear it. God's will for some of you right now is singleness. And if we kick it up just another notch, it's even worse. It shouldn't be worse, but we think that it's worse. God's will for some of you may be that you're single for the rest of your life. I know it's hard. 
Wants, God's will. Which one are you going to go after? One is a lot better. One will feed your flesh. One will feed your spirit. One has temporary value. One has eternal value. Again, you may be thinking, I couldn't do that. I've got to have somebody in my life. Sounds a lot like, uh, like Gad and Reuben. Oh, we got to have this land. We've got cows. We've got goats. We've got sheep. They have to eat. This land is what we need. God's plan was for them to get into the promised land. That God was wanting to get his people back into a particular land. And this is a theme all throughout scripture. Eden, again, because of man's sinfulness, Adam and Eve were kicked out of Eden. And so the story of scripture, God wants a people and he wants to put them in a place. And, and, and he wants to give them a king. We see that in the Garden of Eden that the king is God. The people are Adam and Eve and the place is the Garden of Eden. But sinfulness caused them to leave. And God has another place, the promised land. And he has another king, uh, the, the king of all kings, an earthly king that would eventually be King David, which would be a picture of Jesus. But guess what? Reuben and Gad don't want to follow the will of God. They want to follow their wants. And so they said, we'll stay here in Gilead. Don't give us the promised land. Give us Gilead. So sometimes we look at our life and God permits something to happen and we think that this is a part of God's plan when in reality, God is just letting you go down a road that you want to go, but he has a plan for you that's so much better and so much bigger. See, through the blood of Jesus, God has offered us spiritual life. He's cleansed us from our sin. He's brought us into his family. He is our father. He wants what's best for you. He wants what's best for your heart. He wants you to grow. He wants you to flourish. And some of us think that to get those things, we got to go to Gilead. And Gilead, for some of us, is I got to be in a relationship. Again. Not everybody in this room is going to have the same story. God's will for every single one of us is the same generally, but his plan specifically is going, to, is going to be different for each one of us. And for us to walk that plan out, we have to submit not to our senses, but to the Holy Spirit and walk with him. This may be shocking to you, but God allows, he permits Christians to live in such a way that dishonors him. Say, how, well, how, how do we know that? Because it happens every day. Every single day, some of us are living in such a way that dishonors God. And God allows that. But it doesn't mean that God wants that for you. Again, God, just because God permits it, doesn't mean that it's his plan for you. And don't miss this. Just because it makes sense doesn't mean that God's in it either just because it makes sense. It really did make sense for Reuben and Gad to hang out in Gilead. That was some good land. That's good. I, I like to play golf, and sometimes, man, there's some courses that look terrible because the, the grass is, is not growing, and there's weeds are everywhere, and then there's some golf courses where the grass is awesome. And the, I this area in Gilead was a, a healthy land where grass is growing. Uh, it, it's got good soil. It's a great place to do some farming. It made perfect sense. Just because it makes sense doesn't mean that God is in it. And again, if we think about this relationally, there are some of us where it's like, well, of course I'm going to date this person. It just, it just makes sense. Like, why would we not do that? Well, 
Just because it makes sense doesn't mean that that's what God would want. Well, I just, but, but there's just no way, again, the way that God, the way that we met and all this, hey, I, just because it makes sense doesn't mean that God is in it. Again, Reuben and Gad, they look at this land of Gilead and it's good. It is a good land. And I believe that they convinced themselves, hey, maybe God is in this. I don't know if you've ever done this. You convince yourself, hey, this is what God would have for me. No, that's not. Actually, that's what you want. We just have to be honest with ourselves, and sometimes we don't like doing that. We've got to look at ourselves, look deep within our heart. We've got to cry out the way the psalmist did and say, search my heart. Psalm 139, search my heart. Our heart is de- it's, it's deceiving. It will deceive us. It will lead us astray. Even as believers, if we're not careful, we will pursue what we want when God's will is over there. And God will let us go that way. It's scary. Now, by God's grace, what he does sometimes is he, is he will just get our attention over here and he'll smack us around a little bit. And he'll grab us and he'll shake us and he'll say, what are you doing? What are you doing over here? I've got something so much better over there. Again, I don't know what other conversations were taking place among these tribes. But if I had to guess, some of them would have said, God has been trying to get us back to this land for a really long time. And you guys are going to chill over here. This land is so much better in the land of Canaan. It's better because it's what God wants for us. God's will, you following God's will, is always going to be better than following what you want. At the time, it may not make sense. And I can look at my life and I can see that there were so many times I did not get what I want, and I'm thankful now. I'm thankful now. I'm thankful that looking back on my life, that there were times where I didn't get what I want because God has put me on the path that he has put me on. And I am grateful for that. See, some of us, we're going to miss out on great eternal things that God planned for us because we've settled for good things of the world. I mean, if you just want to have a good relationship, if you want to get married, have a good marriage, buy a house, live in a subdivision, have some kids, have a good job. If, that, if that's what you want to do, by all means, follow your wants. If you just, if you just want, hey, you just want, want the kind of American lifestyle. If you want that, hey, you can, you can have it. And many times God will let us do that. But God has so much more to offer. God has so much more that he wants to do through you and in you. He, he wants to give you a, a, so much more peace and so much more joy and he wants to work through you. He wants to do great things through you for his glory. He, he wants to use you to reach other people. He wants to use you to lift high his name. He wants to do great things, great eternal things for you. But sometimes we say no to those. We say, no, I'm just going to hang out here in Gilead. I'm going to hang out here. Let's continue to look at this story. This story spans beyond Numbers 32. In fact, there's a book, the book of Deuteronomy, that sits in between Numbers and, uh, and Joshua. But the story actually continues in Joshua 1. In Joshua 1, we see where Moses, he, he is not allowed to enter into the promised land because he made a dumb decision. God used him mightily. 
But he made a decision so, uh, to, to disobey God, and, and, and God said, Moses, you're not going to go in. And so Moses' life ends, and Joshua takes over, and he is the one that now is going to lead God's people in to the promised land, but before they go, about three days before they're going to cross over the Jordan, we see that Joshua says this in verse 13 to Reuben and Gad. He says, remember the word which Moses, the servant of the Lord, commanded you, saying, the Lord your God is giving you rest and is giving you this land. He's talking about the land of Gilead, Jazer, all, all, all these areas right here. He said, remember, that you chose it, that's yours. He's given you. God gave them what they wanted despite wanting to give them something greater. And I'll just say this. Sometimes in our stubbornness, God will give us what we want despite the fact that our want contradicts his will for our life. Let me say that again. God will give us what we want sometimes in our stubbornness. Excuse me. Sometimes in our stubbornness, God will give us what we want despite the fact that our want contradicts his will for our life. And I believe this is what he did with Reuben and Gad. He had something planned for them and they said, no, Gilead. And Joshua continues to say in verse 14, he says, Your wives, your little ones, your livestock shall remain in the land which Moses gave you on this side of the Jordan. On this side, not on the other side, on this side. You shall pass before your brethren armed. Remember, that they, they, they still have to fight with the others. You will pass before your brethren armed, all your mighty men of valor, and help them. Until the Lord has given your brethren rest as he gave you, and they also have taken possession of the land which the Lord your God has given them. Then you shall return to the land of your possession and enjoy it. God is going to allow them to enjoy that land. You chose it. You you want it. It's yours. You could have had that over there, but you chose that. So you're going to get to enjoy that. He gives this to them, which Moses, the Lord's servant, gave to you on this side of the Jordan toward the sunrise. Now, now, if we continue to look at this story, the story goes even deeper. It goes even farther, years and years down the road. Uh, because what we see is that the, these two tribes and then what's called the half-tribe of Manasseh, that they settle on the other side. So they go in, they, they battle, they come back, and they plant right there in Gilead. They're there. They're hanging out. They're, they're, they're growing. They had every right to enter the land of Canaan. Understand that. They had every right. Like it was already theirs. They're a part of God's people. And in being a part of God's people, God said, you can enter in. They settled physically and they settled spiritually. They settled physically and spiritually. The people of Israel had every right to enter the land of Canaan, but they settled outside. So what we see in the years to come is that the, the kingdom of Israel, which is these 12 different tribes where they, they begin to have a king. And we know that about King David. Most of us, David fought Goliath. He became a king. His son Solomon was the next king. But after Solomon, the kingdom, it split. There was division. There was rebellion. It split into the kingdom of Israel and the kingdom of Judah. Two kingdoms, two kings, and we would see a, a lineage of kings that come. We see that Reuben and Gad are a part of the kingdom of Israel, ten tribes. 
Then we have the kingdom of Judah encompassing two tribes. And in 2 Kings chapter 10, verse 31, we read about one of the kings of Israel, a guy named Jehu. And this is what it says in 2 Kings 10, 31. But Jehu took no heed to walk in the law of the Lord God of Israel with all his heart. Understand this. What God really wants is your heart. God cares about your heart. Where's your heart at? King Jehu, his heart was not for God. It said, for he, for he did not depart from the sins of Jeroboam who had made Israel sin. But 2 Kings chapter 10, verse 32 and 33 says this. Don't miss it. In those days, the Lord began to cut off parts of Israel. It says, and Haziel conquered them in all the territory of Israel from the Jordan eastward. All the land of Gilead, Gad, Reuben, and Manasseh from Aror, which is by the river Arnon, including Gilead and Bashan. So what we see is that their future was one of being cut off. It's one of being conquered. They were some of the first tribes to go. They were on the outside, the place that they wanted to be. The place that they chose. First Chronicles 5, 25 and 26, God's words, it says this about Reuben, Gad, and Manasseh. It says, and they were unfaithful to the God of their fathers and played the harlot after the gods of the peoples of the land whom God had destroyed before them. The land that they chose, the people that were once there, guess what? They started following their gods. When you settle spiritually, you open yourself up to all kinds of slippery slopes to slide down. And this is what happened to Reuben and Gad. And so it says in verse 26, So the God of Israel stirred up the spirit of Pul, king of Assyria. That is Tiglath-Pileser, king of Assyria. He carried the Reubenites and the Gadites and the half-tribe of Manasseh into captivity. He took them to Hala, Habor, Hara, and the river of Gozon to this day. We see over and over and again that Gilead is conquered. Reuben, Gad, Manasseh, they are taken over. And where it began is it began with them settling. It began with them settling. I'm going to be honest, guys, this is a depressing story. It is depressing. Spiritually speaking, there are some of us that have settled. You're, you're a part of God's family. These tribes were a part of God's family. God had something available for them. God has something available for you. The question is, are you going to walk in its fullness? Are you going to receive the fullness are, are you going to step into the fullness of everything that God wants to offer you through Jesus Christ? See, in our relationships, some of us, we're not there. Some of us are dating right now. And if we could use this kind of terminology, we're not dating in Canaan. We're hanging out in Gilead. We've settled for a good dating relationship. We've settled for a, a, a good relationship. And you may define good differently than I do. The world may look at a good relationship and say, well, they care for each other. They don't cheat on each other. They, they, they sleep with, with one another occasionally, uh, but, but they treat one another well. That's what the world would often say is a good relationship. And some of us, that's where we're at right now. But God is over here saying, listen, I, I want to give you a great relationship. I want to give you the best kind of relationship that you can have, but it's only going to be found when you walk with me and you follow me into the land of Canaan. 
And I'm not talking about earning your salvation. I'm not talking about earning God's favor. I'm simply talking about submitting to the spirit daily, letting him lead you, letting him guide you, letting him conform your mind according to his word and following biblical principles. The world is going to say one thing and God's word is going to say another. And so in your dating relationship, are you going to be in Gilead? Or are you going to walk and go across Jordan and enter into the land of Canaan? And if you're not doing it spiritually, you can't do it relationally. If you, if you don't have the vertical right, you will not have the horizontal right. And so it begins in your heart. It begins in your heart. Are you going to walk through? Again, if we look back, the people of Israel were rescued out of the land of Egypt. They were saved. They had received salvation, but God didn't want to just save them. He wanted to lead them to a land. God doesn't just want to save you. Some of us, we've settled. We've gotten comfortable just with the fact that God has saved us. God doesn't just want to save you. He wants you to experience fullness, his fullness, And let me just say this, if I'm honest, I see Reuben and Gad in myself. I see it in myself. I get distracted by my wants. I let my physical sight distort my spiritual sight. Time and time again, I find myself on the other side of the Jordan, getting comfortable, settling. And I wonder, how can I get across? How can I get into the promised land? How can I live for the fullness and receive the fullness? And let me just say this. We see the the Jordan River, that's what they had to cross to get into the promised land. But the Jordan River is not just mentioned in the Old Testament. In the New Testament, we see in Luke chapter 3 that there is somebody that crosses through the Jordan River and all those that would follow him, who would submit to him because he crossed the Jordan River, we get to enjoy the blessings of Canaan. In Luke chapter 3, Jesus, he walks into the Jordan River and a guy named John the Baptist baptizes him in the Jordan. And we know that there is a foreshadowing of Jesus Christ going to the cross. And because Jesus walked through the Jordan, because he took your sin, your impurity, all the fleshly desires, the fleshly wants, he took it on him. All the sinful thoughts, all the relationship issues, he took it on him. And he goes to the cross and he takes the punishment for that. And because of that, when we put our faith and trust in him, because he walked through the Jordan, we get the blessings of the land of Canaan. We get those. It's available to you because of Jesus. But some of us would say, nah, I'm going to Gilead. I'm going to go here. All this is available. Fullness of joy, fullness of peace. And I'm not talking about perfection. I'm not talking about not making mistakes. But something greater awaits. Something greater awaits on this earth, but ultimately in the life to come, eternal life through Jesus Christ. If you would, bow your heads with me. I don't know where you're at right now. Some of you, if you would just be honest and raise your hand and say, you know what, I'm, I'm in Gilead right now. I know that I'm saved, but I'm in Gilead. Just between you and God, again, nobody's looking around. Just raise your hand and say, yeah, that's where I'm at. I've settled. I have settled. Again, nobody's, nobody's looking. But if you just say, you know what, between you and God, if you just slip up your hand and say, that, that's where I'm at. I'm not coming to you. This is between you and the Lord. I appreciate that. Again, anybody else, just slip up your hand. I, I want to pray for you in just a moment. We'll voice a, pray, a prayer. God knows your heart. God knows where you're at. 
tonight is time. It's time to cross the Jordan. It's time to surrender whatever it is. Maybe there's something that has captured your heart. It's captured your attention. It's, it's, it's a land of Gilead, but it's something else for you. Maybe it is a relationship. Maybe it's a person and you can't get that person off your mind or it's the relationship that you're in right now. And because of that relationship, you're stuck in Gilead. And so for you, maybe it's I got to end this thing because I, I, I've got to have what Jesus wants for me. I don't know what it may be. Again, if you want to have a good relationship dating-wise, marriage-wise, if you want to be filled with the Spirit and walk in the Spirit as a single, God wants to give you fullness of Him, but it's not going to be in Gilead. But there may be some of you tonight who would just say, you know what, everything that I've talked about, it's really new. This thing of Christianity is new. I really, I don't know if I have a relationship with God, and I just want to say this. Tonight, God wants a relationship with you. And I just talked about what Jesus has done so that he can have a relationship with you, so that he can take you into the land of Canaan. It's not a land without any hurts. It's not a land without any trials, but it's a land where you'll you'll find Christ, where you'll find his presence, and that is available to you tonight. So before ending tonight, while this song is going on, I would encourage you maybe to find a friend. You can find me up at the front. We've got some adults in the back. You can go talk to them and say, I, I, I just know I need Christ and I need to talk to somebody because I don't know what's going on in my heart. But don't leave this place without talking to one of us. 